This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Anna Sherbina, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Mark, for having me. You are all the way over in Ukraine. I don't think I've ever had someone on the show that was actually broadcasting or being interviewed in Ukraine. So, I mean, how many hours you now I'm in Houston, Texas. How many hours are you ahead of us? Because right now it's just after 9 a.m. here. I think I'm eight hours ahead. I would say it's it's a very uncomfortable time to be in. I'm just (laughs) I'm just visiting family and then heading back to the East Coast. (laughs) Man, this is so weird. When I talk to my Australian friends and they're actually into tomorrow, which is really a mind blower. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm glad you're on the show. Why don't you take about 60 seconds or so? Tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Anna Shubina, and I run a recruitment agency, pretty much helping businesses of all shapes and sizes, mostly those that are online with remote recruitment. And that is what my background is as well. So I've been doing remote recruitment and operations for over nine years now. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Wow. Now, did your business like skyrocket in 2020? I would say yes and no. Like everybody, there were a few months where it was just like, everyone was like, what's happening? We have to stop all the processes. We can't be paying for anything. It's the end of the world. Um, But then after that one or two months, everyone's like, oh my gosh, we have to hire and we have to hire remotely. So yes, yes and no, so to speak. You know, what's interesting is I really, from what I understand is when COVID first hit, People are like, oh, this is going to be a month. Okay, maybe two mm-hmm. months, three months, four months, five months, six months. And and people started having these almost like panic attacks. They're like, is this ever going to go away? Look, it's going to mm-hmm. go away. I don't know when, but it's eventually going to go away. And I, I, I think there's just two groups of people. I like to know your thoughts on this. Two groups of people that are dealing with this pandemic. They're the people going, you know what? I'm just going to watch Netflix or Amazon Prime Video, and I'm just going to mess <laughs> around until it's over. Then I'll get back to work. And then there are the people saying, look, it, I'm going to double down on my podcast, on my YouTube channel, on my TikTok presence, uh, writing articles or writing a book. I'm going to double down and I'm going to really get really good. So when this thing's over, I'm going to be in a much better place. I think the people who are just like taking it easy right now, I think they're going to be in a tremendous disadvantage uh, compared to the people like you and me who are actually doubling down and getting better during this time. Absolutely. I completely agree with you because so many of my friends who are in like the online space took this opportunity, even when COVID hit, they were like, oh, this is the perfect time for me to double down while everyone's kind of taking a pause. I'm going to really focus on my business, take that extra time while clients are, you know, taking a minute and doubling down on work. And I had so many friends who did that and have come out so, so, so successful, had the best year of their business and they could not even imagine that that would happen. Whereas I do know some people who've taken kind of like a seat back or being very careful. And I would say they are going to be at a disadvantage, unfortunately, because the world has gone online uh, more than ever. And you got to stay ahead of the curve faster than ever. So I definitely say that it depends on who made that decision. But the people who made the right decision are so ahead and are doing very great in the online space, for example. Absolutely. Now, what I've seen is a lot of people are starting to work from home, and that's great. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to go back to business normal as like we were before COVID. Uh, people 
can work from home because now we have high speed internet everywhere. You got Zoom, mm-hmm. you got Google Meet. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, uh, Anna, there are people that shouldn't work from home. These are people who need to be managed, you know. Uh, they need to be watched over. So uh, while I think most people can practice adulting just fine, I, I think there's a small group of our worldwide population that really shouldn't ever work from home. Do you agree with that? <laughs> Mark, that is such a interesting, uh, interesting question because there is definitely adjustment that needs to be made, right? A lot of people that have started working online, I've heard so many different stories from one, one of those versions being, oh my gosh, this is the best thing that has ever happened to me. I'm able to work either morning or night whenever they're more awake and aware. Other people have said that it's great for really when they have like a family or kids. I would say that it's an adjustment and it just depends on the person. So I, I agree with what you say. There are people who really struggle with it, but it's about finding that balance. Cause a lot of people like the problem that I've heard or the struggle I've heard is I have all these kids running around at home. I have my family. I have people in the background of my zoom calls. Right. And it's just, it's just learning boundaries and learning how to set up a space and talking to your family or close ones, whoever is in your household about how to make that work. And I think that's where the real issue comes in. It's not so much that it's a, like people, don't belong or need more management. I think it's just uh, from the individual side, figuring out, setting better boundaries with themselves, with others. And then from the employer side or the business where they're working at, or uh, it's about setting up as well, certain rules and management uh, using different management tools that will help integrate the kind of keeping people on task, if that makes sense. It does. So let's uh, let's talk about remote recruitment. I'm 55 years young, and I remember up until a few years ago, uh, if you wanted a job, you would actually go to the company and you would fill an application. Then you, if they were interested, you'd go back to the company and interview with one to 25 million people. And now, uh, I think this is something that's never going to go back the way it was. Uh, the way, in my opinion, I'd like to know your thoughts on this. Now we do so many interviews over Zoom. We do so many phone calls. If you want to get a job, let's say you live in Houston where I live and I want to get a job in New York City, you know, they may not fly you up there until the very, very, very last interview because they can really do a lot of screening uh, through Zoom. They can check out your social media profiles. They can go to your website. So talk to us about how people are recruiting now in the age of COVID. Well, this is actually super interesting on multiple levels. So first of all, I've actually never hired someone in the office, like the way that you just described. In the nine years I've I've done recruitment, I've never had someone come in the office I interview them and then say, hey, you've got the job or if they've gone through multiple steps. So for me, remote recruitment is actually a very natural thing. And it's quite fascinating being able to come and talk to a lot of these companies and say, oh, I'll, I actually don't know how to hire for the office or how you'd go about that, what system you would use. But it is a very different space and it's a very different approach, which is why you know my agency has like a whole process. But And this is something I recommend, uh, even when I'm teaching this and talking about this, it's so important to have a process in place that is very different than hiring uh, in the office. As you said, a lot of the times it's about when you're hiring in the office, it's about bringing those people in, having those face-to-face conversations, sometimes multiple conversations. But when you're hiring online, you don't really get to see the body language. You don't really get to see that whole picture of a person. You have this box that this person is in, and it creates a lot of uh, distance and misunderstandings, especially if you're hiring, for example, internationally. 
And so something that I always give advice on, and I think this is such an important part for a lot of business owners to understand, is to create a process that will give them the absolute biggest picture and gather the most information on candidates when hiring. Whereas when you're doing that in the office, that really wasn't the case. What are some of the mistakes that you see when people are remote recruiting? Well, yeah, this, I mean, this kind of touches on the last, uh, last thing I mentioned. So they have a very short process. I would say that is probably one of the biggest things that I see. So they'll get a resume. They'll look at a person's qualifications, skills, past experiences. They'll have an interview and then say, okay, let's try this person out for one to three months. And what ends up happening, they lose time and money in the long run by trying to save that time in the, in the kind of the short term. Uh, and, and they lose that time and money because they end up hiring someone they don't, didn't really understand. They didn't really know if that person will be a good fit or not. They didn't gather and collect all the information needed. And so they really lose out in the long term rather than investing up front uh, in time or money for getting the right people in place. I follow a lot of people on LinkedIn who are in the HR, HR field. And a lot of people have been talking about ghosting. In other words, you apply for a job. There's one opening, a billion people apply for the job. And the company never says, hey, listen, thank you for your application. We decided to hire someone else. Uh, I guess it's called ghosting. I guess that's a technical term. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think an employer should ethically, I'm not talking about legally, but ethically, that they should reach out and say, look, we hired someone else? I completely, I think so. Like, I really do think so. I think the reason why, and just to kind of first address this, I think the reason why companies don't do it is because they think it's a waste of time. So there's like, why would we talk to this person or why would we invest in like responding to all of these people if we're not going to even hire them? So that's kind of one piece of that. And the other piece of that is really that, um, yeah, no, I guess that that's about it in, ter- in terms of that piece. Hey there, it's Mark, and I want to invite you to become a Mark Struchowski Insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. Because I I know when I would apply for jobs, now we're going, <laughs> going back in the 80s and 90s yeah. where you know, the internet was still in, in, in infancy or even not around, and I would apply for a job and I thought I was really qualified and never heard back. And, you know, and yeah. especially in the age of technology, you could like automate it and say, listen, you know, these 900 people that apply for the job, just send them out a Dear John letter saying, hey, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Just so they have some closure, because if you think, especially if you think you're really qualified for a job, you're like, man, I'm really qualified. And all you hear is crickets. If you even hear them, it can be really yeah. frustrating. So I, I would say if look, if someone applies for a job remotely, you got their email address, at least send them some kind of automation saying, look, at, we decided you weren't the right fit. You don't have to go into the reasons why and stuff like that. But I think it would help the candidate realize, okay, this door is closed. Let me move the next one. Because I think some people are going, you know what? There's hope when there's really no hope. Yeah, I think it's also an investment really of time. And I think that, well, and this is what we do anyways, we do send out that rejection. And we do mention that, hey, sorry, we're not going to move forward. But it is an investment in the long term, because let's say you revisit that position. And that's what companies don't, again, companies don't think of the long term. If they revisit that position in the future, maybe those people would be a good fit. But because they ghosted them, they're not going to be, you know, applying again. And I think that's so important. It's like, invest in the long term, respond to people. And something that we also 
also do is once they go through multiple steps, we if they if a candidate actually requests feedback, we go in and we say, hey, well, here's some feedback. Here's what you can do better. People want to be better. People are applying and they want to know what they can do to succeed when applying for a position. So I, I do think it's really important to communicate for multiple reasons. What about the human element? Uh, we have automation. You can you can apply on job, apply online, and the computer or the artificial intelligence can scan a resume, scan an application, and automatically like say this was the potential. This one we're going to reject. Do you think that we're getting too far away from the human element before the actual interviews? Yeah, I do think so. I think a lot of companies use testing as a way to filter candidates and. It's something that's quite controversial. From one perspective, if you have a huge company, it's just a lot of time investment to do all of those, uh, you know, to hand select people or hand filter. But from the other perspective, you're actually losing out on a lot of people who during those tests could have been in a bad mood. They didn't really understand the questions. There's a lot of things that are not accurate. And, and just as an example of this, we have employers who ask to do all kinds of like Myers-Briggs tests or Juan scores. It's all of these personality tests. And I mean, I've done these personality tests. And I've gotten like five different results every single time I do them. So how can we expect a candidate to really show themselves through those testing? And I, I really believe that it's so important to invest the time of having at least some sort of staff be able to go through and look at a candidate, look at their qualifications. How are they responding? How are they interacting with the employer throughout their uh, application process? Because there's actually more to a person than just those tests. And I, I truly believe it's very important. We don't move away from that human factor, as you say. Now, I guess if the recruiter or the employer could read the person's mind, I guess we wouldn't need the tests and everything like that. You could just like <laughs> mind meld, but that's not a reality. And one of the things you, you said you wanted to talk about on the show today, which I'm really fascinated to see where you take this, is remote recruitment and productivity. You said you, you really you want to tie that in. So talk to us about what, what that, why that's on your heart today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's because recruitment, I mean, it's an investment, a company's growth and a way a business owner can improve their productivity because being productive is about having the right team in place so that you can do what you know best, right? Not being in the weeds of a business, which a lot of business owners really struggle with. They're not able to focus on that growth. They're not able to focus on the big picture things of a company because they're so in the weeds and they're not being productive, right? And by having that right team in place, they're able to, yeah, they're able to really excel and grow and create a lot of freedom for themselves, both professionally and personally. And I do believe that, as I said, I do believe that recruitment is an investment and it's going to be an investment of time or money one way or the other. But I do believe that a lot of business owners, they don't they don't really believe in that. They're trying to cut corners. And especially when it comes to recruitment, it's like, how do we hire faster, better? You know, they're not really thinking about the fact that you need a process. You need to invest either time or money upfront so that long-term you can have a team that will free you up, that you can actually be more productive on your business and have that growth. I love how you have mentioned at least six times on the show already, long-term, 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 have a process, have a process, have a process. I hope the listener gets that because I think so many people are looking to what's going to happen in this hour or today or this week, but they're not looking, you know, next quarter or next year. They're, they're so narrow focused and they're so, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, near, not, is it nearsighted that you can see close? 
I don't yeah. remember. Wait, nearsighted is you? Yeah, you see near? Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure. So, I mean, they're, they're looking at the here and now, but to your point, because yeah. you brought it up several times, you got to look at the long term. I mean, for example, you take professional sports. They are looking when the, 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 the coach and the general manager are looking to bring a player in. They're looking at, okay, how can they help the team now and how can they help the team next season and the following season after that? Mm-hmm. It's not just the next game. It's, you know, they're looking long term. And I think a lot of businesses, maybe because they're spending too much time putting fires out, they're only looking to this moment, but you got to look at the future as well. Absolutely. I just, I really believe that, and and I'm a business owner, so I completely understand when there's every single day I have fires to put out, I have emails to respond to, team calls to get to, but every single day I make the time to engage in tasks that will benefit for the long term, whether that's growing my team, whether that's creating processes. There's There are these tasks that a lot of business owners, they're trying to avoid them because they're like, well, this is not, I'm not going to see results today from that. It's not going to help me with the problem today. It's not putting a fire away today. But the thing is, by investing in these things today, you won't have these fires in the future because the fires will come up sooner or later, whether it's having the wrong staff, a high churn rate, losing important team members, you know, the fires will happen. So you need to think about that and need to invest that time uh, on those long-term tasks. There is a, a platform called Medium and it's a microblog website and a lot of writers go there and write and you can make a lot of money writing on medium, but you can't make money on, on medium writing one article a year. So what I decided to do, cause I really want to up my game when it comes to writing is I'm writing a new article every single day. Now I'm not oh, doing wow. it just for the money. I'm doing it because I know it's going to make me a better expert, a better trainer, a better coach, a better communicator, but I'm going to get the results because I'm going to do it every single day. I'm not going to do it. And I'll do it today and I'll do it next Tuesday and I'll do it a week from Thursday. I'm going to do it every day. And that seems if you're working out, if you're talking about recruiting productivity, Mm -hmm. it's getting the habit of doing it every day. Um, Best-selling author, Jim Cowens wrote a book, I think back in the nineties called built to last. And is can actually talks about what you just talked about. You gotta have the right people in the right seat on the right bus. So there's three Mm -hmm. components here, the right person, in the right seat on the right bus. So if you had the right person in the right seat, but the bus is going the other direction, they're not going to be able to help you. So I think people really need to, again, I'm going to say it again, go back and look at the long play. <laughs> what, is, what are your goals? Because I think a lot of people are not stopping and thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, and at the end of the day, I do believe that the way to help people with that, and especially business owners, is by creating some sort of system, right? And then you can speak to this a little bit as well. I mean, in terms of productivity, but also like, and this is just recruitment is just my space. So I can say by having a structure and investing in having some sort of framework for processing candidates, it helps you be productive in the long term. From your perspective, probably as well, it's like you have to invest some sort into some sort of habit forming or system. Uh, whether that's on a daily basis, when you do tasks, how you do tasks to be able to get those long-term results. Yeah. Systems are important because hope is not a strategy. So many people say, (laughs) I hope I get everything I want to done today. That's not going to happen. Don't use hope as a strategy. Uh, Anything else that's on your heart that you'd like to share with us today about remote recruiting? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I just want to touch a little bit into and lean into that system that I was talking about, because I know that a lot of business owners, they're now going remote, or they're just starting to hire remote. And I just want to kind of lean into the fact of like, 
what makes you more productive in the long term. And I did mention a system and I wanted to share a system that we personally use. Now, every business owner is different. And so it's, you know, adjust, uh, iterate as they go, of course. But I wanted to share a little bit in terms of the system that we use to get that bigger picture of candidates. Uh, And so there's five steps. Uh, The first is a questionnaire. So it's a detailed kind of uh, all these different questions around background experience, uh, logistical questions, being able to really get that full picture. We have a skill test of sorts in place that we put together based on hard and soft skills, uh, a video. And this is something that's a little bit controversial, especially with like developer positions. But I do believe that when a candidate is applying and you're looking at motivation, if you're looking for someone that's actually hiring for the long term, uh, you're hiring for the long term, you want that person to be invested from day one and they're interested in working with you. And so having some sort of video uh, as one of the steps in the process makes the huge difference because you know someone's getting on. Uh, A few interviews, having multiple interviews to get different perspectives and doing reference checks. So just a few steps that I wanted to share, but I do believe they're super important to find the best candidates. Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to mrproductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and click the link. Now, let me just ask you about reference checks, because if I'm applying for a job, I am only going to give good references. I'm not going to give a reference to the boss who hated my guts. Okay. So how do you handle, because that's a really tricky thing to do. How do you handle, you know, the references? Because no one, unless they're totally clueless, are not going to give you a bad reference to call. Yeah, that's some actually candidate mentioned that to me when I brought it up with him. I was like, hey, well, we're going to have like three to five references we need from past either clients or employers. And he's like, why? You know that he was so blunt. And he's like, well, why would I even give you what's the point if you know I'm not going to give you bad references? And the truth is, and this is so interesting that most people have certain a certain way of working. And so their uh, patterns will show up from one job to the next. Yes, I do agree that in some positions it will be like worse or less. I mean, you know, based on the employer and all of that, but those patterns will come out sooner or later. And the trick when doing reference checks is, and this is actually in a book called The Who Method. They do such a great job about uh, talking about this. I can't quite remember the author, but it's a great book. And they talk about, it's all about how you position that question. So instead of saying, for example, well, what are some of the problems that you had with this candidate? More on the topic of, Oh, when this person was, you know, at the end of the time that you were working with that person, what were some maybe challenges that came up or aspects of their work that you think they could improve on? And we're asking this because, and I always say this, we're asking this because we want to help this address these things from the very beginning and help this person level up. And when you present that from that light, that you're trying to help someone, that you're trying to really raise them up, then people are so much more open. Even in those best, you know, best reference checks, I would say the ones that they've hand selected, those employers still open up and say, oh, actually this person had these challenges. So Mm. it's all about how you position those questions. Excellent. And I got to ask you this question about social media, because when I was back in, you know, back in the day, they didn't have social media. Now, you have to be really careful what you post on social media, because now recruiters are now looking at your social media profiles, correct? Um, yes and no. I mean, I, we, we do do, like I said, we do some reference checks. We're looking at background. 
but the thing is what the process that we have, and I'm just speaking for our process, if for example, we're not really going in and trying to dive too deep in their personal lives. We're trying to get the story, the full picture from their professional life. Whereas I feel like social media, it is a bit of a violation of privacy when an employer goes in and tries. And again, this is just my personal opinion. I know everyone's going to have a different one, but going after their personal life and judging their personal life uh, and how that will affect their like their professional life. I think it is a bit unfair to the candidate to not let like to not be able to give them the voice and them to be able to share what's going on in their life. There I do believe in trust and honesty and and having that you need to be able to start with that. So in our process we get that full picture but we're getting it by via the candidate, via their past experiences, via LinkedIn, which I think is totally acceptable. But digging into their past, I feel like it is a little bit crossing the line. That's just that's just my thoughts. That's just my thought on that. That's a very interesting thought because, well, my personal thing is I don't post anything on any social media platform or my website that I would not want to tell everybody in the world. So I, you know, I'm not a drinker. I'm not a drug user. So, I mean, I know some people put some really stupid things on their social media profile, but I don't hang around with that kind of crowd of people. And I think you need to think about, again, going back, think about long term. Do you want people to know you got you know, blackout drunk at a party and they post a video on Facebook. Do you really want that out there? Even if someone like you doesn't look at it, do you really want that out there? Because is that your best version of yourself? So I just encourage people before you hit post, think about it. This is something you want someone else to see. So uh, Anna, you gave us a lot to think about today. What I'd like to do now is I like to hand over the microphone to you and allow you to be the temporary host of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Now, here's a couple guidelines for you. One, you don't have to say my last name. And number two, don't ask me anything personal like credit card or social security numbers. But other than that, oh. you can you're free to free to feel free to ask me one or two questions. This keeps me sharp and also entertains the audience. So go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, Mark, I'd love to ask you, what has been some of your past experiences with hiring? You know what? I don't have anybody who I've ever hired. My wife was furloughed from the travel agency uh, back in March of 2020 due to COVID. And she's my business partner now. And no one is going to care more about the business than my wife and I. No one, no matter who I hire, nobody's going to care because it's our baby. So I really can't answer that question because I've never hired anybody for the company. Wow. But what about in the past? I mean, from past jobs, experiences? You know, I've been on this planet 55 years. I've never hired or fired anybody. What? Okay. Super interesting. Super interesting. I'm getting to know you. Very, very uh, awesome. So the second thing I wanted to ask is, what would you say is the biggest mistake entrepreneurs make when it comes to productivity and getting more productive? You know, my if you ask me this tomorrow, I'd have a different answer. But right now, I think the biggest problem is people are, are comparing themselves to other people. They're like, well, he's got so many followers or he's got this kind of artwork or he's got this kind of writing style. Listen, you're you. You are uniquely made. You are the perfect person that you're supposed to be. And you need to focus on being the best you possible. Now, I like to think when it comes to podcasting, I'm a clean version of Joe Rogan. I'm not as talented as he is, but I like his style of having engaging conversations. I also like a clean version of Gary Vaynerchuk because Gary wants to meet everyone except for New New England Patriots fans. If you understand Gary, you get that joke. But I that's who I want to be. 
okay, I don't want to be a mini Gary Vaynerchuk or, or a mini Joe Rogan. I want to be Mark Stucheski and you want to be Anna Sherbina. And I think Absolutely. too many people are spending too much time comparing themselves to other people. And listen, don't do that. You don't know their story. You don't know them from DNA to present day. Just be you. It's too exhausting trying to be someone else. Okay. Awesome. That's such a great answer. And I do have one last one. Oh, one last sneak one. A third one in. Okay. Go right ahead. <laughs> just, just, I promise the last one. Uh, what would you say is a great productivity hack for people in the remote space and that are working from home now? And, you know, because productivity is so different, I believe when it comes to working uh, remotely, how, what would you advise for those people? You already gave the answer earlier, so I'm just going to repeat your answer. Have boundaries. Uh, maybe it's a spare bedroom in your house, or if you have a small place, maybe you put a desk in there and you put some masking tape on the floor and you tell people, if I'm in the space, I'm at work. What a lot of people do is sometimes they're at the kitchen table, sometimes they're in the back porch, sometimes in their bedroom, sometimes they're out in the garage. And then so the people in your house, the other human beings, they don't know if you're at work or not. But if you have a mm -hmm. dedicated area, boundaries say, if I'm here, I'm working, don't bother me. A lot of people, when they work at home, they don't think about that. Now, if you're home alone, or maybe you have like just your spouse, it's okay. But if you got like other people, kids and relatives in the house and stuff like that, it, they don't know if you're working or not. But if you have a boundary of an area, then people will say, oh, he's in his work area or she's in their work area. I can't bother them right now. That is such a great answer. I 100% agree with that. And I encourage that even in my own team. It's like, have boundaries, communicate, set set those boundaries. It really makes a difference and improves quality of work. So definitely Absolutely. agree with you. Well, thank you for being the host of the show. I really appreciate it. Now, the final question I have for you is where can we go to find out more about you and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I can be found obviously via my website in terms of more information around the agency at letsremotivate.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. Hopefully you'll add a link because my last name's a bit complicated to spell <laughs> out. It's Anna Sherbina. Yeah. And those two are pretty much the two places you can find me. Excellent. Well, Anna, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was a delight having you here. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. It was a pleasure. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski Podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stucheski Insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.